0: Cheers Cast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Well, Beth writes the greatest letters in the world, I can't wait for you guys to hear this. Dear Woody, this is the hardest letter I've ever had to write. What I have to say is that I care about you very much, but I'm afraid we can't stay together anymore. You see, I fall in love with Leonard Twilly, and we're flying up to Niagara Falls on the 20th to be married. We're gonna drop by and see you on our way. I feel I have to explain in person. I hope you understand and find it in your heart to forgive me. See you Saturday. Love, Beth. Oh, this isn't quite as good as usual. Welcome back to CheersCast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly, and with me to discuss the 11th episode of Cheers' Season 5, the host of Radio vs. the Martians, a man who, unlike most psychics, his head only metaphorically explodes. Please welcome back Mr. Mike Gillis. What's up, buddy?
1: I know exactly how you feel, (laughs) Ryan.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you all right let's get into this one we're talking about season five episode 11 the book of samuel this one is written by fief sutton directed by james burroughs and the original air date was thursday december 11th 1986 sam goes away on a fishing trip leaving woody in charge of the bar in his absence but on the same day woody gets a letter from his hometown girlfriend beth played once again by amanda wiss Beth has fallen in love with another man from Hanover, and they're getting married at Niagara Falls. Before the wedding, however, Beth and her fiancé are coming to Boston to see Woody. Woody tries to pick up women at the bar so as not to appear alone and unloved when Beth comes to see him. Diane tells Woody not to suppress his grief but to accept it but she changes her tune when Beth and Leonard arrive. The couple feel so guilty about hurting Woody that they threaten to call off the wedding until Diane tells them that Woody has a regular girlfriend. Her efforts to help Woody go awry however when Beth and Leonard want to meet Woody's girlfriend for dinner. At the urging of Norm and Cliff, Woody consults Sam's book of women, looking for an easy date. He calls a woman named Desiree, who comes highly recommended. But when Desiree arrives, she's not exactly the bubbly babe that Woody expected. In fact, she's Sam's cleaning woman. But a desperate Woody invites her on a double date and tries to fool Beth. After dinner, Woody comes clean to Beth and tells her that he still loves her, but their distance makes it impractical and she's happy with Leonard. He wishes the happy couple good luck, and then he must come clean to Desiree about her part in it. Still sad from losing Beth, Woody asks if he can take Desiree out for coffee. All right, Mike, what did you think about this episode?
1: I really enjoyed it. I mean, it's the prototypical there's a misunderstanding based on a lie. And now we're scrambling to try to make the lie seem real sitcom plot. But I think what makes it work is just how charming Woody Harrelson is. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that he could make something that would otherwise feel stale, feel real because Woody has just this sincerity and sweetness about him that makes a lot of the, the line deliveries and sort of the, I guess you could say cloudy brain that he kind of has seem really endearing and it makes sense that he would kind of go along with it i think this is a great episode for diane and on that front thank god this isn't another sam and diane episode because (laughs) not to derail this conversation but i really hate this era of their relationship this uh, subplot i hate it
0: i have said so many uh, many times so
1: yes this was a nice little
0: reprieve in that in that ongoing story arc to have no real sam and diane scenes in this one
1: also kind of wonder because diane fits so well with the rest of the the gang with sam not there if they could have perhaps salvaged her as an ensemble character rather than the lead female half of a will they won't they couple and i think they could have i mean obviously shelly long wanted to leave the show but it just makes me go well what if they were able to do that for her last season rather than just another dragging out of A couple that does not work. They're terrible together. When they're with each other, they make each other worse people. They try to force each other to be different. And their breakup still remains one of the most ugly and uncomfortable things I've ever seen in a sitcom. And (laughs) just dragging it up again makes me go, these people are bad for each other. Just stop. So when Sam goes on vacation, it feels like we've gone on vacation from that storyline. And it's just so such a relief
0: yeah you almost wonder i mean if they had given her more just more stories with the other characters that like didn't hinge on sam and diane if they tried it but uh i really enjoy this episode and it's a fun little experiment because for the first time we like sam is a non-factor in this story and there's only i think one other episode in the series where Sam has gone for almost the entire thing. Ted Danson does appear in every single episode, but in I think it's season nine, there's one episode I think called The Ghost and Mrs. Lebec, where Ted Danson only appeared for like two seconds in the teaser, and he's not even on the set, like at the Cheers Bar. He's like at, in a, at a hotel or in his bedroom or something like that. And I don't remember offhand if it was because Ted Danson was filming a movie at the same time or had some other commitment. But he's hardly in that episode. He does appear though, technically. This, I think, is the only other one where like he's in it for three minutes, like after the teaser, you know, he, we have the scene in his office, and then he's gone once we get to like the five-minute mark. And so Woody steps up and we uh, like earlier in the season, when I was talking about the abnormal psychology with Fraser and Lilith, we talked about that as sort of a stealth plot pilot for the Frasier and Lilith show and like sort of showing that, yeah, episodes about Frasier and his kind of weird love life are strong enough that Frasier could support his own spinoff show. And we see that it went on as long as Cheers did. And I've always maintained that other than, Kelsey Grammer and Frazier, Woody as a character and uh, Woody Harrelson as the actor was strong enough that had they wanted to, I think he could have had a spin-off. I don't necessarily what they know what they would have done with him by the end of the show. But I think this this one kind of like this justifies that because we've had Woody centric episodes, but here Woody is the lead. He steps in in place of Sam. And it feels natural. It feels good. He's just like a, a good fit. He's not a carbon copy of Sam. And I think it's interesting that they sort of explicitly show that in a situation where he has to take on this like this situation with Sam's type of women, he fails. He, he can't
1: do that. Well, he's um, in it over his head. He doesn't have the ability to run game the way that Sam does because he's too sincere. Right. His, the, the one pickup line we see Woody use in this episode is he walks <laughs> up to a woman and says, excuse me, I've been experiencing grief all afternoon. Instead of killing myself, I'd like to take you out to dinner. And he means it. That's the difference between him and Sam. Sam would say that in a, oh, I'm a puppy dog, come pity me. And then we'll make our way back to my place where, where Woody really is like, I'm experiencing grief all day. So instead of killing myself, I'd like to take you out to dinner and mean it. But it's also like the biggest red flag. It's practically the Star Trek red alert clacks on you. are just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, because
0: the woman reacts, like, yeah, no, no, thank you. I'm not. He's like, well, did I mention it? I, it's my treat. And she's like, that's not the issue. <laughs> um, but I agree. But it's also because as soon as Woody was introduced, I mean, in the in the earlier season, we saw a situation where he, Sam is a little bit threatened at times by his youth, by his energy, his strength his just his physical features that like all of a sudden Sam wasn't the hot young bartender in his own house. Now there's this other guy who could be competition, but yeah woody is not the womanizer he doesn't go for that even though he probably could get away with it so yeah we, we do see that that is that's just not his natural fit so.
1: Yeah, that I think maybe Sam at first saw Woody as competition, but Woody doesn't see Sam as competition. No, not mean he I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't feel threatened by Sam at all. He probably just thinks of Sam as his big brother. And if there's any kind of tension, it goes over Woody's head. And I think it's interesting because he's also not a carbon copy of Coach. Mm-hmm. And you see those little differences come out, including in this episode. There are certain jokes that if they had done this with um, Coach they just wouldn't have wouldn't have gone at all like there's a line where woody just feels so down because his ex-girlfriend he didn't even know she was his ex-girlfriend until that letter uh is coming and he feels like he's going to be an absolute loser and he's going to be the target of pity and diane says to him i'm i'm sure she's too far too wrapped up in her own happiness to have time to pity you and woody just goes oh, well that is a comfort yeah. that is a line they wouldn't have given coach yeah yeah because right. i think coach it would have gone completely over coach's head mm-hmm. where coach would have gone oh thanks diane yeah. um but what he does get it he does feel the hit of that but he also isn't gonna say anything mean because that's just not what what he is what he is incapable oh. of snapping at people and even when he tries to do the i'm just gonna use them and throw them away it just comes across as him repeating stuff that the older people at the bar have told him. It's like when a little kid tells a dirty joke that they don't understand mm-hmm. and he just doesn't do it convincingly because that's not the kind of guy that he is. Even if he did try to uh, pick up a girl, use her and throw away, I think he'd be incapable of it. Right. I think that he would just end up being her friend at the most, you know, and Woody just doesn't have that kind of guile to him. I think he's incapable of actually knowingly and willfully hurting somebody.
0: Mm-hmm. Speaking of what he knows or doesn't know, however, um, the teaser, and you kind of reference this, in the, we start off, um, it's just Frazier and Woody talking, and Fraser's talking about how the stress of his job as a psychiatrist and listening to people's problems, you know, it's really getting to him, and Woody says, I know just how you feel, Dr. Crane, Frazier supposes that what he does, you know, he's actually, it's interesting that Woody would put it that way, and he starts to compare their jobs and the way they have to listen to people and sympathize, and Woody repeats, I know just how you feel, Dr. Crane, <laughs> and Frazier even kind of expresses some envy of that Woody seems to have this ability to listen to people, sympathize with them, and, and kind of feel kind of genuine about that. To which Woody replies, I know just how you feel, Dr. Crane. And at that point, you know, it's triggers to set off Fraser's radar. And he's, he's realizing he's not even listening. Fraser's like, well, how about a double scotch on the rocks? And Woody says, hey, coming right up. So
1: (laughs) interesting that Woody has this sort of selectively tuning Fraser out. I know exactly what that is. I've worked in enough customer service jobs where your words, your actions, you're always inhibited because you're at work. And you are powerless if a customer starts yelling at you or whatever. And you kind of learn these little defense mechanisms. And sometimes it means that you train your brain to hear job-related stuff, requests, you know, orders, things like that. But you can learn to zone out the rest, especially when somebody's sort of intolerable. Mm. I've had like I once had a customer when I was working in half price books just ranting and ranting blah 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 blah. I don't know what he was talking about, something about Obama, but he wasn't happy and I could just kind of let it go. You just and you know to pick out certain keywords that that turn off your brain screensaver and go, "Oh, okay, you want you have a question about this." And then that guy just walked away and he was still going. And I'm like, I was never a necessary part of that conversation anyways. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think on some level when you're in Woody's job, uh, you do have to do that. And imagine the sort of stuff people come at you with when you're a bartender, Mm -hmm. how many, and if you want to maintain Woody's kind of kind hearted, open attitude, you're going to have to shut some of that stuff out. And You know, imagine the stuff that comes into Cheers in between episodes that people throw at him. So, yeah, I know exactly how you feel, Dr. Crane. And um, its I think they actually make a joke about that with Frasier in a later episode. It's one of my favorite jokes in the series. And it's a scene between Frasier and Lilith. And I'm not going to spoil it, but um, I I absolutely love that because it shows that Frasier has a version of that when he's at work, too. (laughs) Uh, it's it's always really really kind of interesting um, that those little bits there because the joke is not that Woody is clueless. In a lot of ways, he's very self-aware. Where I think right. that Coach would be paying attention the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't have developed these sorts of things. I think it's right. it says that Woody is a lot more there. He's just kind of naive and he's simple. Um, he's not dumb, yeah. but he just has a very uncomplicated view of other people. And I I think you're right about
0: it sort of being a defense mechanism because Brilliantly, they bring the joke back later in the episode after Woody reads the letter from Beth and he's feeling down and depressed. Fraser actually comes to him and he says it, he's he's giving him basically a clinical diagnosis of why breaking up with Beth is actually a good thing and it will help jumpstart the healing. And it's like it's wrong to stay in this a stagnant relationship if there's nothing there that this will actually be good. And he's like giving him this whole breakdown and what he's just and he Woody is like not he is of the moment in this, but he's just like and I decided feel to crane <laughs> and oh, storms off so
1: mad that is that is so wonderful it's it's pretty rare for them to take the the opening pre-credits teaser scene and then make that a running joke but i absolutely love bringing it back in that moment because it's just <laughs> like there's a bunch of ten dollar words being spat out and it's also a, a great joke about fraser because he doesn't know his audience very well it's like <laughs> yeah. he wants to show off for everybody by sounding really smart, but in doing so has made his advice totally ineffective because <laughs> he's, he's marketed it in exactly the sort of way that Woody won't listen to. Right.
0: right. Hitting just the, the, the scene with Sam really quickly. So he, he's got to choose which person to, to leave in charge of the bar. And he goes through all these childish games, one potato, two potato, three, and Diane objects to this not because it's a stupid way of deciding like who has seniority in the barn who is the most responsible one to leave in charge but because everybody what does she say everybody knows that if you do one potato two potato with three people you end up returning to the person you started with or something and yeah, sam, it's a has game. Of, yeah, it's, sam has to kind of yeah sam has to kind of that walk this is through stupid so it's, that it's like, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he comes up with this alternative he where, where he's counting them off with each each word. He goes, my dog died last night. What color was his blood? And he lands with pointing at Diane, so she has to name a color, and then Sam will spell it, and based on how many letters are in the word, it goes to, like, the next round and everything. But Diane is horrified by the contents of this little game, and she's like, what? Why are you doing this? And he's like, it's just a game. She's like, well, no wonder you're so disturbed. <laughs> she can't get past this. Um, and I love this, because this might be, and I should have had Rob on to ask this, but this might be Rob's favorite, Rob Kelly's favorite joke on this one, because he's like, just pick a color so i can spell it and then goes okay
1: mauve and of course she does
0: (laughs) and you you just see sam struggling with this he's like do i know how to spell mauve (laughs) he's like why would you pick that color
1: why would see it's bits like that that make me think that she could work as just part of the gang. Mm -hmm. um and i that's the stuff that i really liked from like later season three early season four type stuff where They still banter with each other, Sam and Diane. There's still a little bit of flirting hidden underneath it, but it's like a harmless kind of flirting where they have no intention of getting back together. They're over each other, they're Mm -hmm. making fun of each other's spouses and romantic partners, but there isn't this will they, won't they attitude. And it just felt healthy for a while. And then they made it real unhealthy real fast. I know. I don't know I, if it ever recovered.
0: I liked the detente status that they had early in season four, and I don't know why they couldn't continue that, but they, they felt they needed to, to shift the relationship, and this was the next stage. But
1: Because it also adds um, a certain amount of like mutually assured destruction about them making fun of each other's spouses, because they were one of them. You can't say you only date stupid people when you're one of those people, because you're one of the people that dated him. <laughs> yeah. So you always have that kind of like last minute yeah but i was there too sort of retort and i kind of kind of like the tension of that but i don't know i just it's like they defined the show as sam and diane and it was only after she left that they finally acknowledged that it was an ensemble show so to beth's letter she and her new guy, Leonard
0: Twilley, um, and by the way, just get going through some of the, the guest cast, as I mentioned, um, Beth Curtis is played by Amanda Weiss, who has already appeared on the show before. She was in Woody's second episode back in season four. She was famously in A Nightmare on Elm Street. I think she was the first on-screen victim of Freddy Krueger. Uh, her her uh, fiancé in this, Leonard Twilly, is played by John Brace. This is one of only two credits. On IMDb. The other one being Truth or Dare. I don't know it. Yeah. Um, But anyway, they're on their way to Niagara Falls to get married. But they're going to stop off in Boston to see Woody. That's quite out of the way. If you're going from Indiana to Niagara Falls, a a side trip to Boston is like eight hours each direction. (laughs) It's not exactly in your way. But I guess... Beth felt compelled to see woody in person
1: yeah i think it it just says something about them more than they are going to go out of their way to do this it would have been enough for i think a lot of people to write the letter but or make a phone call yeah i think the fact that they are so willing to drop everything it seems kind of like woody came from like a magical land where everyone is as nice as he is uh like they like that's a sort of decision Woody would make. Woody would also, if he was put in the position Beth was in, I think he would go eight hours out of his way to mm-hmm. to clear the air because it would bother him. Yeah. And uh he would need to sort of feel like I need to get this out of uh out of my past. I need it off my conscience before I can get married and enjoy being on a honeymoon.
0: Right, right. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I guess like the the rational thing would have been to deal with this before the weekend of the wedding, but uh, it is a sitcom after all. So this is, of course, we need this for the plot. Um, So, yeah, so the, you know, once he gets, the guys are telling Woody that he should get over Beth by hooking up with a hot single woman in Boston. Diane says, no, he should allow himself to grieve and be sad. She says, people grow from suffering. And Carla puts in, she's like, how come I haven't grown an inch since I met you?
1: I was thinking too about, not to not to derail this, but is Woody really the worst possible choice for managing the bar in Sam's absence? And I gave this a lot of thought and I think that he might actually be the best choice, as weird as it might sound. I think that if you put Diane in charge, um, imagine what she would try to do with the bar. She'd probably try to do sing-alongs like Gilbert and Sullivan, or she'd <laughs> want to put on a play. And I think Carla would the power would go to her head and she's got a lot of built up personal vendettas that she would start acting on. And I think Woody is kind of like, he's like a walking demilitarized zone out of the three of them, where he seems like the least amount of bad things are going to change. And both sides generally like him enough that they're not going to be actively hostile. And I, I think Woody's also probably the most to listen to what Sam has to say, even though Sam's reason is you're the only one in the last five minutes who hasn't annoyed <laughs> the crap out of me. Um, but I actually think Woody would do pretty well. And um, it also, we have an episode where you kind of do get to try out Woody as the lead in the story like this and not to spoil where Woody ends up at the end of this series. But I think if you were going to do a Woody Boyd spinoff show of Cheers, Um, obviously he's at a higher social standing at the end of the series than he was at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And I think you could probably by injecting the right kind of character as his sort of supporting character kind of do a little bit of Jeeves and Wooster with him in upper society where Woody is just so well-meaning that other people are happy to run interference and protect him from other people who are a lot more, nasty and underhanded especially in the sort of place that he was at the end of the series i think you could do a lot of fun stuff with that where he's just such a sweet well-meaning guy that can't see the bad side of anybody but it's sort of like he has a staff that would protect him I- i'm i'm
0: thinking like i don't know why i just flashed on this idea of like the hud sucker proxy as a sitcom like
1: yeah i think you could do something like that Like, he wouldn't necessarily be in the
0: corporate world because he he wouldn't have to but like with the the, marrying into the billionaire family but yeah
1: but i mean what he's also such a kind person that you don't (laughs) begrudge him that kind of good luck or the fact that he seems to kind of fail upward in a lot of ways Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: you're kind of like you know there are so many worse quote-unquote deserving people that could be there Mm -hmm. why not have a just kind person we know right, i'd right. rather have the one just... the one
0: non-cynical person in this world yeah that would be
1: exactly yeah. so i think you could do a spin-off with woody in that kind of world i just think that he was in a you know post natural born killers world and he clearly saw a jump to working in film and it kind of broadening what he could be right and as far as audiences and i think a lot of modern audiences if they look back at him on cheers might be a bit surprised because he's always kind of playing like a grizzled badass now, mm-hmm. and there aren't a lot of actors that have been on both ends of the spectrum. I guess you could say Hugh Laurie um, plays a lot of like darkly sarcastic characters, but if you look at him in a lot of his British productions, whether it's Jeeves and Wooster or Blackadder, he was playing. Well, kind of I, I mean, sweet I, I, guy. I, the
0: tra- the transition
1: was much quicker, but Bruce Willis, yeah, I think where Bruce he Willis started too. versus
0: like how, how but by, by the time, at least by the time of like you know, by the time he got to, like, Die Hard 2, I think he was past the look Who's talking romantic comedies,
1: you know. Yeah, Uh, Rowan Atkinson, I mean, Mr. Bean Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. Blackadder, you know, self, he he goes across, if you want somebody who's just, like, snippy and sarcastic, you cast Rowan Atkinson. If you want a sweet man-child, you cast Rowan Atkinson. Um, It's a hard thing to be both, and to be both convincingly, that you could have somebody who, you, you would cast as a zombie killing badass you wouldn't think of woody boyd but you do think of woody harrelson yeah it would be interesting to see him go back to a woody from cheers type character um because i think he would surprise people again by just being great at it because hmm. i i see him in this show and i'm like yeah yeah that's the guy i'm gonna put in true detective <laughs> um, no i wouldn't think that at all but he's great he does have. There's just this this simple sincerity that
0: I love about it. It's when uh, Beth and Leonard come to the bar and they're they're getting their drinks, and Leonard is like, "I'll have a brewski." He's trying to like fit in. He's trying so hard to fit in in this like big city world and everything, but. Leonard is saying is like we met at the hardware store. I was looking for some copper tubing, and Beth was buying a lawn sprinkler. And Woody just shakes his head and goes, "I never stood a chance," (laughs) like as if if that means something in Hanover, Indiana. Like that would be like the great meet cute of all time.
1: But there is a great great line in that moment, and it's from Beth when you know, you know, because he leonard just keeps kind of talking and it's clear that beth wants to talk to woody alone and she just turns to him and kind of drops the sweet voice and just goes go drink your beer leonard <laughs> yeah. and he's just like yes ma'am yeah. and i i love that i love that so much or that when you revisit leonard he's having uh the creation of a tractor explained to him by cliff and i'm like this is probably the one guy who's probably just enraptured by uh, cliff's usual routine and my norm god, looks like you can't get out of there man.
0: fast enough
1: <laughs> but, <yeah>. exactly <laughs> but i just love that because there is a person to whom cliff would seem like the smartest most worldly guy in the world mm-hmm. and yeah. oh my god cliff has been waiting for this day for years <laughs> yeah um so then keeping
0: with the the sort of Woody and Diane element of this little story, which I, I you're right, I think is kind of great. It shows sort of the versatility of when she's actually gets to play with the other characters because Like when, like, they're the Beth and Woody and Leonard are taking such pity on Woody, they're like, Look, we've broken his heart. I can't go. They're like, We can't get married, like, knowing that how much we've hurt him. Leonard actually says, I won't be in the mood for cake. It's kind of (laughs) like the thing. And Diane thinks she's coming to the rescue. And she's like, No, you, Woody, it's you should probably tell them about the woman you've been seeing, you know. They're like, Oh, well, what's she like? And Woody can't describe because he's like, Oh, she's, you know, she's five, four foot, five foot, Hard to explain. Um, but of course, Diane comes up with a description of cornflower blue eyes, Titian hair, and a Raphael-esque figure. Um, and then they're like uh, they're on their way out, they're like, Well, you know, we feel much better about it. And Diane just can't leave it uh, at that. She's like, uh, It's too bad you guys have to leave because you should have done dinner together. And they're like, well, we don't have to leave right away. We don't have we have a red eye flight, and Diane just just like, I'm out of here. Okay, you're on oh your own. Good.
1: She totally Walter subchecks that whole thing. <laughs> um, I, if you haven't seen The Big Lebowski, you absolutely should, guys. But uh, Walter, that's the John Goodman character, will do this where he will get just. Horribly emotionally invested in other people's problems, he will destroy their lives and then he'll wash his hands and want to walk away. <laughs> yeah. And that's what Diane does. Oh, well, you know, it's not my job to get in, you know. <laughs> yeah, she's he's,
0: like, like, he's like, What should I do now? She's like, I don't get involved in other people's lives.
1: <laughs> oh man, poor Woody. And it's see, that's great. That's great because that's really Diane. Is that mm-hmm. she just any opportunity to perform or show off, yeah, is great. And that's the other thing I think is really fun about her character is that she'll wag her finger at other people's behavior when they're just falling short of this sort of ethical ideal but the minute it affects her or gives her an opportunity to show off she is the world's biggest hypocrite like you shouldn't lie but i'm gonna lie but not only that i'm gonna give you the best lie and just she can't not escalate it and oh my god so that's uh they're thinking like you know eventually this leads
0: to woody going to Sam's book and Norman Clifford, like, you're not ready for this. Put it down, step away. Um, but Woody thinks that he can just find one of the Sam's women to invite. for. And, they do have this little thing where he's going to talk to this girl, like sweet Tina Wilson. And they're like, you know what to do with her. And he, he kind of says, yeah, use her, throw her away and everything. And he's just, he's being egged on by the guys because you know, that's not really Woody. That's not what he wants. Like he would be much more honest and upfront and it kind of blows up in his face because turns out Tina Wilson is at the bar listening to them. And she kind of like rubs in his face and walks out. So then, the second night, he calls this other woman Desiree, and he's like, "She." He turns to Norm, he's like, "She wants to know my name," and Norm goes, (laughs) "Wing it." <laughs> he's, like, he's like this isn't this doesn't have to be a complicated scheme Woody he calls her he asks her to come by the bar and everything like that for this and because the description just had all of these stars and said she's highly recommended and then the thing is Desiree played by an actress named Catherine McGrath she only has a couple like half a dozen credits in IMDb including one episode of Frasier she was on Frasier too uh, and then Hill Street Blues and some other stuff um, but she comes in just wearing blue jeans, kind of like a sweatshirt and everything puts her jacket away. And they're like, this is not who I was expecting. She just doesn't have the same look. So that's the first sign that something's wrong. And then bef- brilliantly before Woody finds out the gang and the audience find out from Carla that this is not one of Sam's regular dates. It's his cleaning woman and say, and Carla's like, yes, yeah, Sam says she's the best. He rates her with all of these stars. Because then once Desiree comes in, because now that we know we're in on the joke, but Woody isn't, because she's like, where do you want to start? Do you have your own equipment? And he's like, what equipment? And she's like, well, the first thing we need is a bucket. Do you have one <laughs> of those long scrub brushes? And he's like, Well brush? He's like, we need something for those hard to reach places. And Woody is just panicking, like almost in a sweat. And I love it. It, it might be my favorite line because he, he runs to the bar and he's like, guys, there are things about Sam that we
1: don't know. <laughs> yeah what he's in over his head and Mm -hmm. um yeah i i kind of one thing i really love is that this plot could have been a sam plot and i think the episode plays very differently if this was sam let's say that for whatever reason sam um is reading out of somebody else's little black book and this story happens to sam i think it would happen very differently and i prefer the woody version that Mm -hmm. i that i got because there'd be this plot where sam would be like judging served by your looks and there would be a lot of that stuff in it and it would be a lot it would probably feel a lot more mean-spirited with Sam yeah I, I but, agree but with Woody it just seems sweet where Woody's like well there's no reason I can't have fun right and he's probably a lot more open to just letting the night be what it is mm-hmm. without any pressure or anything like that and I think that that makes this episode date so much better than if it had been a Sam episode with the same objections, because and... because
0: I think he, his instinct is he he says he's going to be honest with her and he's about to tell her I'm sorry you're not who I thought you were and he's going to explain it and kind of like let this whole situation diffuse itself naturally, except it's just at that moment that Beth and Leonard walk in and they're like oh this must be the woman you were talking about and even like later on when she's about to kind of like storm off Desiree does tip him off she's like i don't know what this night was about but i get the feeling that you were trapped in this so i'm gonna let you off the hook yeah and that's that's a nice moment because that's her recognizing his sweetness yeah. and that lets us feel like you know like the, that, that reaffirms our feeling in woody that even though he kind of tricked her into this date and he had to go along with this lie there wasn't malice in his intentions
1: yeah. And I don't think you'd get that with Sam. I think that off of Sam, even though Sam wouldn't be acting with malice, I think there'd be this kind of like, I'm getting away with something or I'm lying or I'm panicking or, you know, I'm trying to pull something. And I right. think she would feel that and probably be angry at the end of that mm-hmm. or have stormed out during the date, if it was Sam. But I think with, with Woody, there is just this kindness about him, but there's also this sort of non nonjudgmental um, sincerity where you really feel like he's being as nice as he can and that nothing is a put on with Woody right and she senses that and at the end if again if this had been a Sam episode where she feels kind of hurt because she overhears the boys at the bar say something if Sam had run out it would have come across like I'm asking you to coffee out of pity Mm. but it doesn't feel that way with Woody it feels like I genuinely want to talk to you some more right and that's why she says yes and i think it's sweet yeah I, I, I just want to make clear i'm not dogging on sam here i just sam puts off a vibe like he's trying to like he's a cat who ate the canary
0: right no and that's woody the, doesn't yeah. have that yeah and that's the that's the whole thing about this one is this is woody trying to do a sam type of Act trying to fill, trying to not just filling same shoes as the bartender and as the male lead of the sitcom, but trying to get into this romantic situation and play a, play this part of a a guy who has this you know hot girlfriend and everything, but he fails because that's not Woody's nature. But he doesn't come crashing to the ground. He ends up ends up okay at the end of it because he's just a naturally good person. So I think mm-hmm. that it really does. It it showcases the differences in their characters and how the different strengths and and what a good guy that Woody is. So, yeah, no, I I think that's absolutely right. Um, just a, a few other like things that I want to get to. Um, when Woody asks, um, Woody's kind of like, what do you say? Do you want to go out to dinner? And she's like, well, it, 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 uh, Desiree says it beats scrubbing grout with a toothbrush this is the funniest thing that Leonard has ever heard because he's like, you people with your big city expressions. And then at, right after dinner, as they're coming down the stairs, she's like, Beth is like, well, what about us going dancing? We still have time. And Desiree's like, you want to take me dancing after all this? And Leonard goes, it beats scrubbing out with a toothbrush. And he's so proud of himself for remembering that line. Cause he pulls up his pants and goes, Hey, I could live here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, this guy yeah that's another thing i think really works out in favor of woody which is that it would be the easiest thing in the world to do something where beth's new fiance is like a flash thompson type yeah but you get why she's marrying him there's there's no question that woody want Woody doesn't want to stop this he doesn't want to break it up there's never a sense of she's with the wrong guy it's mm-hmm. like no she was always kind of gonna marry a guy like this there was always going to be a sweet-natured fairly simple guy and um woody seems totally cool with it there's no jealousy in it which is really refreshing right
0: and i think even though beth susses out what's going on at the i think again a difference between how sam would have played this sam would have been exposed in his story just because like just like the 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 lie would have been outed as just the natural course of being woody even though beth has figured this out woody with Diane's encouragement and a little bit of like emotional nudging would your mom like think about what would your mom think about this he oh. confesses to to um he confesses to Beth he tells her look this I, I I've never met this woman before okay you really hurt me. And it's, it allows them to actually end on good terms because she's like, well, would you move back to Indiana? And he says, no, he's like, she goes, I can't live in Boston. So where does that leave us? And he says, really, really sad. And I think that's like a really nice little, just simple truth about it. Like with that, it has to be unresolved and then she's going to be with this other guy. And it's, it's a nice little just moment of breathing and reflection.
1: So. And you you mentioned the the lead in line about what would your mother think and, <laughs> yeah. and one of my favorite it almost was my best joke of the episode where he says, You won't tell me your, tell my mother, will you? It's played so straight. I mean, that's yeah. what makes it endearing because it could just be like it's funny because he's kind of a dumb guy, but no, yeah. he really is kind of worried that his mom might think he's underhanded. Is he's yeah. just a sweet person. And yeah. I think that's the other thing is that the difference between the interactions between Diane and Woody and Diane and Sam is that um, I think she sort of expects Sam to take little pokes at her or to joke at her expense or to tease her or to try to bait her into saying something silly, but she doesn't do that with Woody because Woody doesn't have you know a layer underneath with an ulterior motive. It's he's about his open a book as you can be that he, he really is worried that his mom might be disappointed in him. And then, yeah,
0: once, once Beth and Leonard leave, then yeah, Desiree is kind of embarrassed by the other guys just making fun of her. But when he kind of goes, sweeps in and he's like, look, I, I I really did actually have a nice time with you. I'm heartbroken right now, but he's, you know, he's thinking the woman that he loves is off to go to get married to another guy. Could we just go somewhere and have coffee? And she's like, and and Desiree's like, yeah, you're you're a nice guy. Let's go. And she has the line as they're leaving. She's like, this isn't going to turn into one of those May December romances. And he's like, well, December with the holidays coming up, December is no good. So, yeah, it's a it's a fun episode. I I do really enjoy this one, and I think it is like it, it's nice that you know because Woody has been great. He he's to lose somebody as powerful as coach and what Ernie Pantuso was to the show, like the consummate, when we talk about MVPs, you know, even if, even if coach didn't win every episode, he was always a contender because the sheer quantity and quality of his jokes and like what, what he could bring to an episode. So to fill those shoes with a character who is similar in respects but also very different but also very fresh and unformed and allowed to grow in front of us that's what i love about woody is that Mm -hmm. he's not a whole person at the when we first meet him we get to see an evolution we get to see him surprise us so we've seen him be the the star of an episode but to have him really become the star uh, and, and take over for Ted Danson in this role. I think it just showed what a what a knockout character and performer Woody Harrelson was, and and certainly showcased where his career would go. well well not. <laughs> it didn't. It showed how how talented he could be and how famous he could be, but never sort of forecasted the types of roles that he would go to with like the aforementioned True Detective and Natural Born Killers, and you know even playing Carnage in the Venom sequel.
1: I know. You never would watch this and go, yeah, you know, there's a Spider-Man villain who eats people <laughs> and stabs people with his blood-covered spike body, and you're like, Yeah, Woody Boy, that's the guy who's gonna play him.
0: Yeah. Uh for Norm's tab, Norm had five beers this episode, which brings him up to four hundred and thirty for the series. Ooh. Yeah. That's a <laughs> Employee of the week. There were a lot of good runners up, but I, I think it was pretty obviously a Woody episode, and I and he ran the gamut from just being charming, sincere, mopey, and depressed to a little bit horrified when he first talked to Desiree. So I thought it was a Woody Woody episode, like right right across the board.
1: I do too. Um, I originally came out of this saying Shelley Long Diane would be the, but then I just this conversation has changed my mind. And for all the reasons that we've said before, um, Woody Harrelson just lives this character in a way that he feels incredibly real. And he feels sincere and honest. And he never feels like he's putting on a shtick. And you need that for a character like this. And it would be very easy for this to be the sort of character that you couldn't make the lead of an episode. And he just owns it. And my god he's great um same. i i think they really struck gold when they cast him because they were really behind the eight ball when they lost somebody like uh nick colisanto um they really lost somebody amazing that had this just very specific warmth to them and they managed to find somebody who also had that same sincere warmth but just manifesting in a different way yeah um that you don't just you know palette swap the character and just give him coach scripts you have to write new stuff for Woody and my god he's good Mm -hmm. Woody Harrelson is great yeah uh what was your home
0: run or your best
1: gag for the episode my best gag for the episode is when uh Woody is going through uh the black book Sam's little black book and notices that there is an entry for Diane and Diane (laughs) goes from wagging her finger to grabbing it out of his hands right away, and it—I guess is is a Sam joke because it's, he's not even in the scene or the episode anymore. Um, and the entry for Diane is probably the most incredible woman I ever met. Don't you agree, Diane? <laughs> and I love the layers of that joke so much because it anticipates that at some point Diane is going to look for herself in this book. Yeah, <laughs> she's going to be going through his
0: book and she's going to think about herself, find herself in there, and at first be flattered that he wrote that and then be caught in the act. And yeah. And she yeah. just chucks the book away. She's so mad.
1: What I love is she, she even says, don't you agree, Diane? And she starts to say something else. She gets one word. Well, Oh, and then she <laughs> storms off. I love that. It is a delayed reaction to her realizing what's in that book. I love it. <laughs> and I kind of it's, love Sam in that moment too, because it's like, he's just going okay she's gonna pick this up at some point out of judgment and she's gonna start like going these people are awful oh this is so sexist mm-hmm. oh, let's see if i'm in here and it's like <laughs> he knows he knows he knows. And i love it he's got it
0: yeah he's ready God, yeah they're 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 a lot i the the very close runner-up for me was um Woody's uh his reaction to Desiree with all of her like at questions about needing a bucket and a, a scrub brush and everything. When he goes back to the guys and he's like, There's something about Sam that we don't know. <laughs> yeah. this, this feeling <laughs> about it. Um but I think it was it was the joke that's right after something that we mentioned when he's talking to Diane at the end, when she's like, how would your mother feel about this lie?" And, and oh. it, it, that very that very earnest, you won't tell my mom, will you? Or you won't, <laughs> no, he says, you won't tell my mother, will you? And oh. it's very sweet. She kind of taps him on the shoulder and she like, does the zipper across her lips. She goes, "Mum's the word. <laughs> and he just waits for a beat. He's like, you won't tell my mom, will
1: you? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh what he's God. too good for the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, all right, Michael. Well, thank you very much for coming back to talk about this episode. Uh, where else can our listeners find you if they want to hear more from you in the podcastosphere?
1: Well, um, I have two different shows that I'm working on right now with my podcasting tag team partner, Casey Doran. There's Radio versus the Martians, which is kind of like a monthly pop culture book club where we just dissect and dive into with a friend of ours a piece of popular culture usually once or twice a year we do a big panel episode where we dig into something big and generally every other month we have a spinoff show called podcast a la vista baby which is a uh, tribute to austrian bodybuilder turned action star blockbuster uh movie spectacular guy arnold schwarzenegger um uh, we have gone through probably about two-thirds of his movies at this point. So you can go to that at uh radio versus the Martians.com and podcastolavista Find it at all the places that you can find podcasts, Apple Podcasts, you know, Stitcher, all those places.
0: Very cool, very cool. Thank you for coming back. Always love having you. Uh, and thanks to all of you who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents who sponsor the show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcasts to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Thanks everyone for listening and until next time we're closed so how are you fine shall we get started what right right here here or in the back if you prefer but don't you want to eat dinner first no i'd like to get right to it i'll stop to eat when i get a little tired wow i figure you probably have your own equipment if not i have mine out in the car what sort of equipment well the first thing we'll need is a bucket Really? Yeah, and some rubber gloves, and one of those really hard brushes with a long handle. You gotta be kidding me. Well, I need something to get to those hard-to-reach places. Could you excuse me for a moment, please? Guys, I think there's things about Sam that we don't know.